the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. I just knew that was worst case scenario, no matter how much I tried to reframe it in my mind. And I remember I just broke down crying and just I hit the floor and just sob uncontrollably. And I just feel like that she, out of fear, didn't want to bother anyone, that she didn't say anything. And I wish she would have. I really wish she would have. But I never would have guessed in a million years it would have been her own brother. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter. Oh my gosh, it's a day. I started off with the wrong intro, but we're here. We're doing it. What's up? What's up? What's up? Alexis looks like Voldemort, which I really love. Hey, the contrast is off on my camera. It's not a natural glow that I have. It's... <laughs> it's very situational. And also our lighting in our office is really weird. We have like these LED strips everywhere. It's just not conducive to like perfect lighting. Yeah. Looking glowy. I mean, you do look glowy. It reminds me, I was saying of my, my old MySpace pictures where you'd contrast your face out so much you didn't have a nose, AKA Voldemort. I love that. Yeah. No, that's me. I love it. I'm leaning into that today. Yeah. Oh, yes. So before we get into today's case, I'm just going to do a quick reminder. If you're not joining us on Patreon, please join us over there. Lots of bonus content. One episode every single week, fully researched true crime episode. And uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. We're doing amazing stuff over there, covering cases that our listeners are requesting. And yeah, we're excited. And also happy almost November. We're getting right into the autumnal seasons. It's crazy how fast it's upon us. Here we are. Here we are. Well, uh, I think that that is enough of that. So let's get into the episode and turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. So when you think about it, the idea of family is kind of a wild concept. There's this unspoken rule that says simply because another human being shares DNA with you, shares blood with you, eats holiday dinners with you, tolerates your Uncle Frank with you, that they're supposedly obligated to always have your back and that you're supposed to always have theirs, to be there for each other no matter what. It's like something out of a fairy tale. And just like a fairy tale, your family could be a blessing, a group of people that lifts you up when you're at your lowest, or your family could be a curse. You could all be born into this world inexplicably tied to individuals whom you'd rather not know at all. So what happens when family betrays us, when they take our trust and break it? Because whether or not we like our family, that's the only rule. You don't hurt your family. So how do we recover when someone breaks that rule? When they hurt us anyway, give no thought to the repercussions. Is blood really thicker than water? even when someone's blood is running red. So we begin today's case on March 11th of 2020. And on this exact day, the World Health Organization officially declared COVID-19 a pandemic. I'm sure we can all put ourselves back 
exactly where we were during this time. It's like a collective PTSD for everybody in the world. I remember the exact moment and it's traumatizing. I don't even want to think about it. And I remember being like, let's go to a bar for the last time. This will be like (laughs) two weeks of a lockdown and that's it. Yep. I was at a wedding that weekend in Phoenix. I was like, this is nothing. Yeah. So at this point, more than 118,000 cases had been recorded in over 100 countries. And yeah, like I said, everybody knew where they were that last weekend before it all went down. A couple days later, Tiger King would premiere. What a throwback. I mean, everybody was watching it because what else were we going to do? And music, Roddy Rich's song, The Box, was number one at the billboards, and it would remain there for 15 weeks straight. In movies, Disney and Pixar's film Onward came out on March 6th, and it wasn't a big box office success, so they ended up moving it to Disney+. Plus. The setting for today's case is New Orleans, Louisiana, specifically New Orleans East, which is the newest section of the sprawling city. For comparison, New Orleans proper was founded in 1718, but New Orleans East wasn't established until about 200 years later in the early 1900s. New Orleans East is separated from the rest of the city by the Industrial Canal, and this portion of the city is surrounded by water on most sides. In the 1970s and 80s, New Orleans East's population rose significantly due to an oil boom and an increase in residential housing. At the time, nearly 80,000 people lived there. But in 2005, Hurricane Katrina breached several levees in eastern New Orleans, causing massive damage to the community. It's only recently that the population of this area has come close to its pre-Katrina days. Now about 75,000 people live in this area, which accounts for approximately 20% of New Orleans' total population of about 376,000 people. Our first degree for today's case is named Blair. And back in 2012, Blair was in her 30s and lived in New Orleans, and she worked at one of my favorite stores for home decor, Anthropology. I wanted to get like a part-time job during the holidays. I wanted to give me something to do, but then two, I kind of figured extra money wouldn't hurt. And then also like... I love anthropology. I forgot to get really good discounts. I mean, I love the way that Blair thinks, you know, getting a little discount with all your favorite stuff. So while she was working at anthropology, she met a female coworker who was around her age, and that coworker was 35-year-old Hung Nguyen. One of the funny things is that what kind of bonded us is that initially we didn't usually work that many shifts together, but somehow, like, we ended up talking because, like, I was going through, like, my first breakup and... I was, like, pretty sad about it and all, and, like, and I was giving her a ride to her car, and we just started chatting, and I just kind of felt, like, this very comforting nature that she had, and I was venting, you know, and then she was, like, we're just chatting, and then so it just, like, checked up on me, like, you know, not long after that, and then we just kind of started hanging out more outside of work and just become friends since then. It makes sense that Blair and Hung connected so quickly, because Hung was actually known for her incredibly friendly disposition. And those who knew her described her as a bright light and a ball of energy. And she loved all sorts of fun things like music and fashion and Vegas trips. Sounds like one of us, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Hung was definitely one of those people who knew how to live in the moment. And as a result, Hung was a blast to be around. One of the most kind-hearted people I've ever encountered my entire life. And in a lot of ways, she's like an older sister to me, too, and always felt safe around her and felt comfortable around her and just a wonderful person all around. Blair's not exaggerating here. Hung was a genuinely lovely person, and everyone she knew said so. 
According to Hung's college roommate and longtime friend, Linda Cow, Hung just didn't live life. She celebrated it. So whether that was making an impromptu trip to a Backstreet Boys concert, again, a woman after my own heart. Totally. Or taking her coworkers to a rooftop bar for a Moscow mule during happy hour. Again, like be my friend. Everybody thought that Hung was a joy, plain and simple. And over the course of many years, Blair and Hung became very good friends. And even when Blair moved away from New Orleans for a bit, she and Hung stayed close. They texted, they called, and they kept in touch. They reassured each other that things were always going to be fine and helped each other through breakups too. And at least one of those breakups was pretty intense. Hung's boyfriend of the time had cheated on her. But thankfully, Hung had Blair to help her navigate all of the heartbreak. Over conscience became one of my best friends and... We had a lot in common. I was like in my mid-30s and she was a few years older than me. So it's kind of like trying to navigate life and like, you know, like she lived with her mom and her brother. And it's just kind of like the fact that we were kind of thinking and hoping that by that time in our lives that we would have been married with kids by now, families of our own. But most of our friends were getting that, but not us. Eventually, Blair and Hung discussed the possibility of maybe getting a place together and becoming roommates. Like Blair mentioned, Hung lived with her mother. And Hung also lived with her younger brother, who was in his early 30s. His name was Hoa Fong Nguyen, but he sometimes went by Max. And while Hung loved her mother and brother dearly, she was probably ready for a little bit of space from her family. I mean, anyone would be. We're kind of really starting to hang out even more so and spend more time together. And our friendship was just growing. She's become one of our best friends. And we even thought about, you know, like eventually getting a place together or something. But before the two friends could start apartment hunting, something really strange happened. On the morning of March 13th, 2020, Hung was reported missing. She was last seen leaving her job at around 5.30 in the afternoon, two days before on March 11th. But since then, Hung was nowhere to be found. She just vanished without a trace. I happened to like, pick up my phone in the middle of the night to get some water and just decide to scroll through Instagram. And lo and behold, there was a missing persons post on there about Hung. And I just remember being like, oh, my God. And it's like my heart just shot to my stomach. And from that moment on, I was just frantic for hours on end. I couldn't sleep. And anybody I tried to reach out to, I wasn't really having any luck getting a hold of anyone. So Blair knew immediately that her best friend was not okay. Hung would never disappear like this on purpose. Plus, Hung's purse, wallet, keys, and a dog were found locked inside of her bedroom. So how could Hung one of the most caring and prepared people on the planet, forget her purse, her wallet, her keys, and her dog when going anywhere. This just didn't add up. She was very reliable and she was very thoughtful and considerate, and she wouldn't just, like, dip out like that. It was out of character for her. I just broke down and cried in my room because I just knew that this wasn't a case of somebody, you know, skipping town and had, like, a mental breakdown or something like that. I just knew that was worst-case scenario, no matter how much I tried to reframe it in my mind. And I remember I just broke down crying and just I hit the floor and just sobbed uncontrollably. And somehow I managed to pick myself up and I went to work for maybe about like no longer than two hours. But my boss let me kind of just stay in the back and just not really have to worry about other people and just kind of like tend to myself as much as I could. As much as Blair wanted to stay positive, she just couldn't. Like, something was clearly wrong here. And only time would tell what had actually happened. I don't think also intuitively, I just knew. One of my coworkers even told me, you know, just don't think the worst. But I just knew in my heart that she was gone. And there was a lot of anxiety and fear in me. And just 
crying off and on that day and not be able to move really. And, and I was just kind of like, I mean, it was like, you know, I just want them to find her already. I just wanted to find her body because I just knew that she was gone. Unfortunately, Blair's intuition was correct. And on March 13th, the same day that Hung was reported missing, the authorities located her body at around 8 o'clock that evening. 42-year-old Hung had been shot multiple times. Her body had been shoved in the trunk of her own car, and that car had been abandoned in a parking lot approximately seven blocks from Hung's home. It just feels very unfair, and the whole thing is like, I just can't wrap my mind around it still. What in the world had happened to Hung? Who had killed her? Was it someone she knew? An ex? A friend? A total stranger? And for the love of God, why? Why would anyone want kind, sweet, and thoughtful Hung dead? To answer these questions, you all know the drill. We got to go back. Hung Helene Nguyen was born on June 4th of 1977 in Vietnam. And according to our first degree Blair, Hung was the oldest of five kids. She had two brothers and two sisters. And by the time Hung began school, her family had settled in New Orleans East. Apparently, there's a fairly large Vietnamese community there. Hung was a very family-oriented woman, but like all families, hers wasn't perfect. According to Blair, Hung's dad may have been lacking in the parent department. He was a known gambler and maybe an abuser too, especially towards Hung's younger brother, Hoa, who also went by Max, who we told you about earlier, the same brother who lived with Hung at the time of her death. She didn't really talk to me about it that much, but from what I understood from our mutual friend Nay and a couple other people is that her dad ended up having a bad gambling problem and just was not a pleasant person. And he passed away probably about, I want to say passed away maybe about 10 years before I met her. He had passed away a while ago. But what the rumor is, is that her brother Max was very badly physically abused by her dad. It's challenging to know and measure the effects of abuse. You know, it's such a difficult and personal experience. But when Blair met Hoa, who, like we said, also goes by Max, and we're going to refer to him as Max throughout the episode, she thought that Max seemed just fine. Maybe a little awkward, a bit of a lone wolf, but overall, fine. He was a recluse, from what I understand. And funny enough, actually, I ran to have one time when I spent the night at our house, like, a few years back when I was in town visiting, like, a music festival they used to go on New Orleans. And I stayed right at her house once, and I ran to her brother very briefly. It's kind of like one of those little quick interactions, like I was in a hallway about to get into the bathroom, and he was leaving. And at the time, they seemed fairly normal. But again, that was a brief interaction. In her childhood, Hung attended Fanny C. Williams Elementary School. And sometime in the 90s, Hung graduated from Marion Abramson High School. And if you've heard the name Marion Abramson High School before, that's because it was part of a big news scandal in the early 2000s. You see... When Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana on August 29th of 2005, Marion Abramson High School was declared a location where people could get transportation to the Louisiana Superdome. So at the time, the Superdome was being used as a last resort shelter. But when Katrina destroyed several key levees near Abramson High School, their school gymnasium flooded. And allegedly, people waiting to be transported to the Superdome died. The total headcount of people wounded or killed in this tragedy remains unclear. However, one French journalist received information that approximately 1,200 people drowned at Marion Abramson High School. Ultimately, though, that number could be wrong. We just don't know. The news surrounding Hurricane Katrina was notoriously very difficult to verify. But we do know that the floodwaters ended up destroying the school. And today, that high school no longer exists. 
According to her first degree, Blair, Hung went on to graduate from Louisiana State University. And sometime after that, she started working for a New Orleans news and media outlet called Gambit. Hung was an advertising sales representative for them. And her colleagues also lovingly called her the unofficial staff paparazzo, which tracks. We found several adorable photos of the Gambit office staff that were credited to Hung's excellent photography skills. Right. Like on October 31st, 2008, Hung snapped a photo of her colleagues all dressed up as McDonald's characters. Again, this woman. Love it. We're like the same, you know, cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And on December 11th of that same year, Gamut published a tongue-in-cheek article about a rare snowy day in New Orleans. It reads, this morning's snowfall has turned the entire staff into seven-year-olds, even more than usual. There will be no work done today, unless you count snowball fights in the parking lot and everyone posing for photos with our on-staff paparazzo, classified ad rep Hung Nguyen. And eventually Hung was laid off from Gambit, and throughout her life, she would pick up a wide range of different jobs. Many of them were in retail because Hung, like Blair, was a fashionista and she loved a discount. But by the time 2020 rolled around, Hung was working at an Allstate insurance office. And she was doing really well there. She made people coffee each day because she was just this friendly person who wanted to like make everyone happy. And she did this every morning and she brought healthy snacks for everyone to munch on too. And one of her coworkers, Ganesha Allen, said Hung was incredibly welcoming. On Ganesha's first day of work, Hung greeted her with a hug because that's just the kind of person she was. But sometime around the spring of 2020, Hung's bubbly go-get-em attitude took a turn for the worst. And it must have been a pretty drastic change because Hung wasn't one to burden anybody with her life problems. It wasn't in her personal nature, and it also wasn't in her culture to offload her problems onto friends. So for her friends to notice that something was off, that would have spoken volumes about how not okay she was. She just kind of, I guess, got too overwhelmed emotionally, just kind of distanced herself in a bit especially about a month lead up to her death, something was really off about her. And Hung, who'd always seemed to tolerate her younger brother, Max, wasn't quite so tolerant of him anymore. He was the only person in the family that she really spoke ill of. And that she was just saying that he didn't have a job and that he was lazy and that he might be butt heads and had issues with each other. But she never really said anything good about him. And she would always lock her room door when her brother was there. And I just never wanted him in there. Hung even started to avoid going home at night. You know, that's how bad things had gotten between her and her brother, Max. She didn't want to be around him at all. And over time, it became apparent to Hung's other friends that something was definitely up. She would even go to her office, like, late at night, her insurance agent's office where she worked at late at night and watched, like, Netflix and stuff. And Because she just wanted to be home. And one time, uh, she was kind of hanging out with for a while. And she made a joke, kind of like, Hung, they have a house to go to? And she said that Hong just kind of froze and just like kind of froze for a second and then just shrugged it off and just changed the subject. So I said with her hindsight being 2020 that something had to have been going on that we don't know about. Something seemed off. There must have been something going on in the house that she, I guess, didn't want to bother anybody with or worry anyone. But something seemed really off leading up to like the time she was murdered and to where it's like she was afraid to go home at night. So in Blair's previous statement, she's talking about Hung's other best friend, but we're going to eliminate her name from this, so that's why it's being bleeped out. So whenever you hear a bleep, just know that Blair is talking about Hung's other close friend who we're protecting the privacy of. I just feel like that she, out of fear, didn't want to bother anyone, that she didn't say anything, and I wish she would have. I really wish she would have. 
On Wednesday, March 11th of 2020, 42-year-old Hung went to work like normal. She sat in her desk chair and wrote emails and chit-chatted with coworkers like normal. Then at 5.26 p.m., she waved goodbye to her boss. She hopped in her silver 2006 Toyota Camry and made her way to the gym like normal. After working out, Hung headed home. Her mom worked at a Vietnamese restaurant, so she wasn't home yet, but her brother Max was home. From a different room in the house, Max heard Hung open and close a few doors, but he didn't really think anything of it. He just figured that she had come home and then left sometime later. The next day, Thursday, March 12th, Hung didn't show up to work. And it wasn't like she called in sick. She no-called, no-showed, no-nothinged, which, as Blair has explained, is very unlike Hung. But the next morning, Friday, March 13th, people had started making phone calls. Where was Hung? Had anyone heard from her? It didn't take long for someone to notice that Hung's purse, wallet, keys, and dog were all locked up in her bedroom. And shortly after, the police were notified of Hung's disappearance. Around midday, the police issued a news release with Hung's photo. They asked the public to contact the authorities if they knew anything related to Hung's whereabouts. And meanwhile, Hung's friends and family organized a Facebook group to help with the search. Hours later, one of Hung's neighbors saw Hung's car. The silver Camry was parked in a parking lot less than a mile from Hung's house along a road called Robin Hood Drive. When the police arrived at the scene at around 8.10 p.m., that's when they found her body in the trunk. And they observed that she'd suffered several gunshot wounds, which would later be declared her cause of death. Right away, the New Orleans PD knew that they had a murder on their hands, and they treated this as a homicide investigation from the very beginning. So they started with interviewing all of Hung's family and friends, but nobody really seemed to know anything, including Max, who told the police how he heard Hung come in and leave the house, but he hadn't actually seen her. No one could understand why this happened to Hung, of all people. This wasn't a person involved in any shady dealings whatsoever. Her friends described the situation as unexpected and unreal. As longtime firsties know, the police always check out the significant others first in these types of situations. But at this time, Hung didn't have a boyfriend or a husband. However, one of Hung's exes did pique our first degree Blair's interest at one point. There was a lot of just trying to figure out, like, I mean, a lot of me trying to go through my head who it could have been. And I even thought about maybe could have possibly been an ex-boyfriend that she had, but that didn't last very long because they broke up probably about like maybe a good two or three years before that happened, maybe even longer than that. But I didn't get the impression that he had anything to do with it because whenever they broke up, I think it was because of infidelity on his end, if I'm right. There were people who were suspecting, you know, well, maybe it was him and my brother, he's a detective and kind of, you know, picked his brain a little bit. And he was saying that with her keys and her own purse being found at home, that it has to have been someone that she knew or someone familiar with the house. Because otherwise, he probably would have just left her there. But that's what he was saying. That has to have been someone that she knew. And I was kind of thinking that my mind went to, you know, what if it could have been someone that she knew or a relative or a family member or someone who got involved in something really bad and really shady and made an example out of her. Hung's wake was held about a week later on Thursday, March 19th of 2020 at the St. Bernard Memorial Funeral Home in Chalmette, Louisiana. And Hung's funeral happened the very next day on Friday, March 20th. But as you know, the timing, due to COVID restrictions, very few people could attend Hung's memorial services, which is so 
freaking heartbreaking. So sad. So sad. And our first degree Blair remembers being so frustrated by the situation. Hung was her very best friend. And she wasn't going to be able to honor Hung's passing the way that she wanted to. I couldn't even go to her funeral because of, you know, the safety hazard. But I was going to try to go anyway because, like, one of my other close friends was going to bring me. But she has a compromised immune system, but she couldn't go because of that. I couldn't even go because I was quarantining with my parents and they're both, you know, like, older and more susceptible. A limited number of immediate family were allowed to say goodbye to Hung at this funeral. But one family member was missing. A family member who really, really should have been there. A few hours after Hung's funeral had ended, New Orleans PD had released a Be on the Lookout. The title was NOPD Seeking Suspect in 7th District Homicide. And that suspect was none other than 37-year-old Max Nguyen, Hung's very own brother. There was a warrant out for his arrest because the NOPD believed that Max had murdered Hung and he was on the run. When Blair found out that her best friend's brother was maybe her best friend's killer, she didn't know what to do. And she did kind of what anyone would do. She freaked the fuck out. It was actually someone I used to work for, my old real estate broker. He texted me like that evening, like later on after a funeral, and he said, are you okay? He said the fact that it was her brother who killed her is sad all around. And I just screamed and I said, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And I called him immediately, and apparently he read it on the news and saw an article that the NOPD put out. And that didn't even happen. He was on the run, and they had a warrant out for his arrest. But I never would have guessed a million years it would have been her own brother. During the investigation of Hung's murder, the police had asked the New Orleans East residents and businesses to provide them with any and all video footage. Because in an age where everybody and their mom has a ring doorbell, the officers knew that somebody had probably caught the perpetrator abandoning Hung's car. After all, they left it in a parking lot, so chances were very high that they walked to their next destination. So from the videos that the kind citizens of New Orleans provided, investigators were able to establish the following. Hung's car pulled into her driveway at about 10 p.m. on March 11th. 40 minutes later, Hung's car backed out of the driveway, turned around, and went back into the driveway in reverse, meaning trunk towards the building, right? So somebody flipped the car around so the trunk was closest to the exit or entrance to the home. So think about, you know, if someone needs to transport something heavy, think about if you ever have a ton of donations that you need to throw into your trunk, you back your trunk up to the closest point of entry. Right. That's what we're dealing with here. So 10 minutes later, somebody drove Hung's Camry away from her home, and then the Camry was parked at Robin Hood Drive. Through the security footage, a man can be seen getting out of the vehicle and walking away from it. And that man, according to two different sources, was likely Hung's brother, Max. And he was walking away from Hung's Camry in the direction of his home, the same home that he shared with his mother and his sister, Hung. And when the police had interviewed Max about his sister's disappearance, he apparently lied. And... We're not sure about the exact details of this lie. That's just what was reported. But the specifics were not. But allegedly, Max's lies had something to do with him misleading the police about the many, many guns that he kept in his bedroom. From what I understand is that the NOPD, like the police officers were questioning him and something weren't adding up. Like he was saying that he claimed that he heard her like go in an awful room or something, but he didn't actually see her. And something about him having, I think, like quite a few guns in his room when he claimed he didn't have any guns or any weapons and trying to come 
keep police from looking or searching. I've heard rumors. I heard that he had maybe as little as like two or three guns to as many as 30. So, and like they say, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And it's kind of like, you know, what would he be doing with an arsenal of guns like that if he, if that is true and if he has that? On Saturday, March 21st of 2020, 37-year-old Max was arrested as a fugitive in Houston, Texas. He was charged with the second-degree murder of his sister and held without bail at the Harris County Jail. Eventually, the authorities transferred him to New Orleans, and there his bond was set for $500,000, which he was surprisingly able to pay. Later, Max would also be charged with obstructing justice since he fled the state. Being able to pay $500,000, I guess you only need 10%. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So you need 50, I but guess. Still, but that's a lot of money just to randomly have have on hand. Well, and then you think about, but there are cultural implications. You think about the fact that he lives at home. You know, you think when someone lives at home at 37 that they're like, they don't have money, but this could be just like, that's what you do till you get married in this household. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how much money you have, right? Regardless, this is just speculation. But Blair, this is all happening in real time for her. And she's beside herself because her best friend has been murdered. And she never would have expected this to happen to anyone in her entire life, especially not hung, especially not with now the brother being the main suspect. What's so crazy about it is the fact that she was the last person you would expect that to happen with. And what's been, what's also even crazy about it is that I actually had just started listening to y'all, like not even a month before the murder happened. And I was kind of thinking about how Somebody said that someone who was interviewed on your podcast said something about how it's like to the extent of that sometimes you just you think you know someone and you just never know like what they're capable of doing. And for some reason, it just stuck with me. And literally three weeks later, she was murdered by her own brother, allegedly. To this day, the police have never released any information about Max's potential motive for allegedly killing Hung. But everybody has their own theories, including, of course, our first degree Blair. And that's like the question that's like, that's going to just haunt us, you know? And the only thing I could figure is that what my initial thought was, and it's an assumption, but the only scenario I could think of is that maybe he was like doing something like dealing drugs with the outside of the house. Cause I mean, he was still without a job and I'm like, what else could he have been doing? And he had plenty of guns and he was a recluse and it wasn't very social. And from what my sister found, my twin sister found out from some other friends of hers that happened to know people within the same community. And one of them actually grew up in that same Vietnamese community. She didn't know him, but one of her good friends knew him. And she said that that they're pretty sure he had mental issues, but then also that he had a bad drug problem. That was a rumor, and especially with pills. So it could have been a combination of things, but I, my first guess was that maybe she found out that he was doing something or something was happening and that she was going to blow the lid on it. Because for him to like, Killer in cold blood, I just don't understand it. How can you be like that angry at your own sibling for something? And especially whenever she, it sounds like all accounts, she stayed out of his way. But perhaps the worst part of all this is that it's likely that we'll never know what happened to Hung or why she was murdered. Because recently, and brace yourselves, the DA's office has dropped the case. We were all just like in shock and upset when we found out that the charges were dropped. He was supposed to be on trial this week, actually. The jury selection was supposed to start Monday, and opening arguments were supposed to start um, Tuesday of this week, and on the 26th. And he's free as a bird, as far as I know, and everybody watch him back. 
So this whole thing is really just tragic and sad because you think about this family, two members of this family are potentially going to be lost as a result of this murder. Yeah. And it's my understanding, like there's rumblings online that I read that the two people who identified Max in the surveillance were actually two of Hung's siblings and that later they retracted that. Oh my God. And that's not officially released anywhere. That's just sort of like what's been heard through the grapevine. Allegedly. Yeah. Right. So you think about just like what happened in this family, right? The initial shift was like, we need to get justice for Hung and then something backtracked, whether that's guilt or not wanting to lose two members of this family or who knows. But Regardless, like if something happened to you or my best friend and just nothing was going to be done about it, I don't know how I would move past that. And that's, I think, where Blair is now, right? She's like, I'm going to scream from the rooftops. A few years ago, she contacted me about this story, but she wasn't ready to do anything about it because she's like, no, I don't want to rock the boat because this case is going to trial. And once she heard this was happening, she's like, fuck this. And she's rightfully outraged. And I would, you know, I would be too. Yeah. And that like, even on top of everything with the timing with COVID and stuff, it's like she didn't get a proper burial and nobody could have said goodbye to her. And then now there's no justice being served. It's really like really unfortunate all around. And I just feel for her family so much. So I really commend Blair for speaking up about it. Oh, absolutely. And I also empathize with the family. Like imagine one child doing this to another and how you would react. I think it's impossible to know. Yeah. Um, So I reserve judgment, but Hung deserves justice no matter how you slice it. So regardless, like I said, if it is the other family members who identified Max in this footage and retracted and recanted, that makes things really hard. And without that testimony, without this evidence recognizing Max in the footage, the investigation wasn't able to find any of Max's DNA in the Camry. And imagine even if they did find Max's DNA in his sister's car, that could be explained away. Like they lived in the same house. Maybe he borrows the car. Like that wouldn't make a strong enough case in my perspective. So, uh, you know, it's rough. And maybe there's another factor at play as well. And that could be that, according to Blair, Hung's family has stopped pushing for the case to be solved. You know, the whole thing is just an incredibly complicated situation. And at first, it seems like Hung's mom was going to kick Max out of their home. But over time, it looks like the opinion of the family has changed. Initially, her mom, she had one of those large containers that people have whenever they dump trash or like they're like cleaning out houses or like one of those big, like, you know, metal containers. She went outside the house not long after he was arrested and dumped all this stuff out. She took pictures down of him in the house. She pretty much erased him out of her life. And somehow, I guess, over guilt, and maybe she felt like she went wrong somewhere, or that, her, like, you know, her mom and his dad went wrong in his life, and that she wanted to undo this and figure that she'd try to help him out. And so I'm thinking that maybe the family's so fractured at this point that they want to try to save him. But it's kind of like, but what about her? Like, she was the sweetest, kindest person that you can ever imagine, and very fun, very fun-loving. She was such a fashionista. She had, like, like I mean, she she just always was able to, you know, turn lemons into lemonade, and she had just a, such a wonderful big group of friends because that's how much people valued her. Like we said, complicated. Truly, it's unimaginable. One family's lost two children in two very different ways. But as things stand now, 
Hung won't receive justice. That's unacceptable. What I was told was that the only way he can really be caught at this point is if something happens somewhere. He maybe brags about it and the right person hears and turns him in or goes to the authorities. Or if he confesses, like, miraculously one day has a change of heart and confesses. That's about the only way they can get him at this point. It's almost like the family has Stockholm Syndrome. And I not, not don't want to throw that term around or something like that and, like, be accusatory, but it's like it almost feels that way. Like, what are you going to do? It's kind of like you lost one child, you're going to lose another one. But how do you handle that? But at the same time, too, I feel like justice, you know, should be served and that you have to advocate for the one who would have advocated for anybody else in that family because I know she would have had the tables been turned. Now, Blair and Hung's other friends are working with a victim's advocate to help get Hung's case the attention that it deserves because they won't give up on their friend who they knew wouldn't have given up on them. So now all Blair can do is tell Hung's story wherever she can until somebody somewhere does something. We've been in touch with the victim's advocate throughout a lot of this, like within like the past several months. It's important for a story to be told and that if this can help anybody and anyone who's in a particular situation, like if you see something, say something, or that there are people out there, resources to help. And even if it means you're going probably going against your family or going against, you know, your cultural systems that are in place, you know, it's sometimes it can be a matter of life and death. And I hope a story can have an impact on someone. Today's case is chock full of paradoxes. For example, a family who should have loved one another, hurt one another. And then there's, of course, how the more we know about Hung's relationship with her brother, the more we don't know. And finally, the more questions we ask about what happened to Hung, the more questions we have. These paradoxes can feel like a never-ending cycle, like we're just chasing our tails for eternity, trying to understand what can never be understood. But you know what stops a never-ending cycle for most of us? What brings peace? A courtroom, a jury, a judge, and justice. Because Blair's right. Hung deserves that. Everyone does. It's a fundamental truth for all humanity. One that, in and of itself, is kind of a paradox. That when we can't speak for ourselves any longer, we can trust that someone, somewhere in a court of law, will do so on our behalf. Huge thank you to our first degree Blair for telling her story today. If you are listening and you have a story to tell, please email us hello at the first You can follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group. We are talking true crime all the time. Join our Patreon if you want any fun bonus content and stick around tomorrow because we'll have a brand new episode of Killing Time right in your feed. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. And keep your friends close. We're not that close. Shout out to Jared Monica for scoring original music for The First Degree, producing by Caitlin Cleveland, writing and research by Andrea Marshbank. Sources for this episode are Ancestry, People, NOLA.com, New Orleans Police Department, NOPD News, Oxygen, WWLTV, The Times, Picayune, The Guardian, Find a Grave, Dignity Memorial Obituaries, and the CDC. And as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. <laughs>